The greatest country on earth in shambles. Bill Gates already mapping out the next pandemic. The medical profession by law prevented from telling patients the truth. How do we survive this? Well, we the people stand up and stop taking it. We win at the ballot box. And we do that by getting the truth out into public ears. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your warrior at the gate is Dan Newman. Do you realize we still don't have any confidence whatsoever in the final results, you know, the official results of the 2020 election? We still don't. And oh, by the way, if you talk about it, Dan, you got to whisper. You don't want to be labeled an election denier. Do you also realize that there are probably of the 535 members of Congress, at least half of them will not speak their true feelings about the results of that election? Oh, they'll all tell you now. Oh, no, no, no. You know, the results are the results. We have a constitutional process for elections, and it's run by the states purposely, so it doesn't get politicized. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a bee in my bonnet today. (laughs) Welcome to TNN Live. There's a lot of things happening in your world today, and not all of it, in fact, probably 50% of it or more, are not good things. But I guess what we've got to do is we've got to understand, as bleak as it may be on our landscape, we're still better off than 99 and 9 tenths percent of the people on the planet. Just saying, I guess maybe, i tell you how we taught our kids. You can always look around you if you want to be objective, and you can see there are people that are doing better than you are. There are people that are doing worse than you are. Try to find a way to be equally honest with both types of people in your life, and you'll have a lot of friends a lot of trustworthy friends, a lot of people that trust you. Interesting. Sometimes when we're raising kids, we get a little bit of wisdom. Don't you remember those days? My day today, if I spent an hour talking to you about all of the craziness that has happened here at TNN Live in the last 48 hours, it's it's a novel. You would not believe it. But you know what? As tough as it's been here, it isn't nearly as tough as it's been for Joe Biden. Now, wait a minute. Joe Biden? Who are you putting out there this morning to talk about it's been tough on him? Can you imagine the way he's been pulled politically? Think about the last, oh, just 20 years of his career. He had this cush job in the U.S. Senate. I mean, he was a, a rising star all the time. He, he had a couple of failed attempts at the presidency. He did, but those were self-inflicted things. He got busted for lying. I'm just saying. Facts are facts. But he left a really cush job with great committee assignments. And he was in the spotlight in his prime, folks. He was a great speaker. 
I got to give him that. But just imagine how he feels today. Literally, I heard this, and it was said in jest yesterday evening. Greg Gutfeld talked about it. Um, going to buy diapers for a baby and for Joe. In other words, talking about Hunter going to buy diapers for his baby that he had with the, the stripper that is still an infant going to Walmart to buy diapers for his baby and some for his dad, too. That's the world in which Joe Biden finds himself. Yeah, he is the president. But I got to be honest with you. I guarantee you at some point in every day, he asked himself this question. Is it worth it for me to go through all of this? Just imagine how tugged He is being pulled from both sides on every issue. And he's doing good to realize where he is today at any point in every day. He's just not in a great spot to be making the big decisions that presidents of the United States make. So I'm going to challenge you right now today. I want to challenge you to stop when you hear me. If it's live, Or if you hear me later when the podcast comes out, you download it and listen. Stop and say a prayer for Joe Biden. Why would I pray for Joe Biden? Because as Christians, we're told to pray for those who are in authority over you. And if you're going to pray, mean it when you pray it. If you're not going to mean it, you might as well not pray it. But just know this, that puts you in a bad spot, really, with yourself, but also with your creator. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go there. (laughs) It is Tuesday. Trump is being arraigned today. Steve Baker joins us in our second hour. But between now and then, how about some live Carol King? song about 
ask you this question. Where were you the first time you heard that song? I don't know if you're like me. Normally when there's a good song that comes out, the first time I hear it, I'll always remember the first time I heard it. Maybe it's because I grew up in radio, doing radio shows, worked professionally in radio. Maybe it's because of that. But that, I it was way before my professional career. Summer of 1970. Oh my gosh. Tapestry album, So Far Away, Carol King. It's a great song. Nobody can say it's not. Or you can say it's not, but credibly you can't say that it's not. A lot of good songs from different eras, and I'm one of those guys, I really find ways to like music from every genre. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. So I don't know if you realize this, but there's some big news going on in New York City today. And it has to do with the former president being arraigned and being charged with, we think, a 24-count indictment that has been uh, voted on by a Manhattan grand jury against him to indict him. We don't know the specifics. There are lots of opinions and opinions are abundant. You know, we could, I think it's 50-50, we could find out there's a whole lot more to it than we hear. The quote-unquote experts tell us it will probably be and contain, or it could be even worse, it could be really bad. Could be really good for the former president. We don't know, but what we do know is this is a continuation, nothing more than another part of the politicization and weaponization of the Department of Justice against Donald Trump. Impeached twice. Investigated out the wazoo by 20 full-time of the top-notch criminal attorneys in America and hundreds of thousands of pages of testimony to no avail. There was nothing there other than a $45 million bill for taxpayers for doing that. That, of course, was the Mueller investigation. And then we had the impeachments. And, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. The storming of Mar-a-Lago, that's still out there. And there's another case out there against him. Supposedly, he harassed sexually assaulted a woman in a department store dressing area 20-something years ago. 
nobody's ever heard anything about it. They'll keep trumping things up, pun intended, trumping things up, again and again and again. How do you think this makes Melania feel? Women out there that are listening, how would you feel if this was happening the way it's happened to him over and over and over again and you sat beside him? You saw the bad stuff. You knew it well before this ever began to happen, that ride down the escalator in Trump Tower. You know Donald Trump. You may not have known he's the leader that he is, that he could achieve the results that he achieved as president. You may not have known that, but you know the man. And you also, because you're still there, speaks volumes to people like me that there must be substance there because I have no doubt you're a very substantive woman. And you wouldn't hang around if this guy was anything like he is alleged by everybody on the left to be. But then they refused to look at what he did for the American people in four years and the cards were stacked against him. One of the oddities that I don't mention, I guess everybody that's a conservative politically in America, they have some type of relationship with Fox News. Now, if you listen to those on the left, Fox News is an in-the-tank, far-right, sycophant organization that no matter what conservative ideology is on the table at the time of any conversation, Fox is all over it, all in. That means anybody that runs, anybody that's elected, anybody that is in office already, that is a Republican, they're in the tank for Fox News. At least that's the perspective out there. I am one of those people. I watch some Fox News to some degree every day. Why do I do it? Well, I'm a conservative. That is part of it, but just part of it. The other part of it is I've got to go find the good, the bad, and the ugly about any big issue, big issue in politics as it is going to impact you and me. And that means I need to get both sides of every argument and then try to find facts that verify which of those perspectives is true. That means Fox plays in there. But don't think for a second. Fox News is full of a bunch of hardcore right-wing MAGA conspirators because it's not. One of the most powerful people at Fox News right now ran for vice president with Mitt Romney. Paul Ryan, you remember him? He was Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House the first two years of the Trump presidency. Do you know that Paul Ryan despises Donald Trump? That Paul Ryan has signed off on many particular issues and has done so even with his name out there as being a part of it. He is what is the epitome of rhino Republicans. Republican in name only. He is not a hardcore conservative, and he's way away from being anything like what we consider to be a hardcore conservative. He would be what I would affectionately refer to as a um, Republican right-of-center moderate, maybe not even right-of-center, maybe left-of-center Republican moderate. Who are some of the other people that fall into that category? 
our minority leader in the Senate. He hadn't been to work in a while, <laughs> hurt himself. Mitch McConnell is who I'm talking about. Republican from Kentucky, he falls into that rhino bucket, as does our former vice president, Mike Pence. Mike Pence moved to the right so that Donald Trump would pick him to run as his VP. And he got four years out of it as the vice president, but he is not a Trump supporter. And there are other people that would shock you to know that they are, but do this. Stay away from the labels and just watch what comes out of their mouths. When you do that, every time you do that, the Bible says, from the mouth, the abundance of the heart speaks. In other words, what's down inside, watch what they do, not just what they say. So there are a lot of little ancillary things that are going to go on adjacent to this trip to the Manhattan courthouse today for former President Trump, a lot of it. A lot of speculation going on. This will be anything that you can come up with that is more serious and more big than the term spectacle. It probably is going to be there because this has never happened before. This is a first in American history. No president, sitting or past, has ever been indicted. The orange man has a lot of honors. <laughs> and, uh, you know, those two impeachments against him are two of the honors that he proudly emblazons because it was very obvious through both that he was a target in both. And don't be out there saying, Dan, a lot of Republicans voted to impeach him. Yeah, they did. Rhino Republicans, rhino Republicans, Republican in name only. No honest conservative voted to impeach Donald Trump. Did you hear me? I'll repeat it. You can quote me. No honest conservative voted either time to impeach Donald Trump. Oh, and by the way, on the other side of the Capitol, in the House, no honest conservative voted to bring those articles of impeachment to the Senate to actually try Donald Trump in those two impeachments. That includes a lot of people. Facts are facts. From the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a lot of people were holding out, holding out, hoping that there would be some video cameras in the courtroom today. Just a handful of photographers are going to be allowed to take pictures in the courtroom. Video news cameras banned totally from providing any live coverage. So this guy, you're going to hear his name a lot. You'll see him on television interviews maybe. He's one of those people that likes to be out there, likes his name in the headlines, acting New York Supreme Court Justice Juan Mershon. He rejected calls for extended coverage by multiple media outlets. Outlets like, you know, the New York Times, CNN, the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and a bunch of others for sure. This is ahead of Trump's first court appearance after they declared this indictment involves 
a matter of monumental significance. Duh. New York Judge Juan Mershon denied the request late last night. He did say, though, historical significance of the proceeding in his ruling that this indictment involves a matter of monumental significance cannot possibly be disputed. This is the judge talking. Never in the history of the U.S. has a sitting or past president been indicted on criminal charges. Mr. Trump's arraignment has generated unparalleled public interest and media attention. The populace rightly hungers for the most accurate and current information available. To suggest otherwise would be disingenuous. I will take pause with the judge on his second to last sentence, and the last one too for that matter. Quote, the populace rightly hungers for the most accurate and current information available. To suggest otherwise would be just ingenuous. Now, by his definition then, I'm going to be disingenuous. I don't think the populace rightly hungers. And then in addition to that, I don't think the populace rightly hungers for the most accurate information available. Maybe they're hungry for the most current information available but not most accurate. Those on the left have already tried Donald Trump. He's been found guilty, and he has been sentenced to life away from any political office by the left. The judge said while the media's request was understandable, these news organizations' interest in providing the broadcast possible access to the proceedings got to be weighed against competing interest. His ruling came after Trump's significant and large legal team argued against having cameras in the courtroom, which I was shocked to know they were doing that. They said it would be a circus-like atmosphere. Five still photographers are going to be in the courtroom for several minutes, not for the entire hearing today, before being sent away under their ruling by the judge. They'll provide pool coverage to other outlets. The decision also banned electronic devices in the main or overflow courtrooms for reporters so that they may email, text, and live tweet during the proceedings. And by the way, Trump still, he still is planning on delivering remarks later tonight when he gets back to Florida to Mar-a-Lago. Now, I thought about that. He announced that yesterday. He was going to do it. You know, when I get back to Mar-a-Lago, I'm going to eat some dinner, and then I'm going to go stand up in front of the cameras, and I'm going to give everybody my opinion of what happened today. You know what? The judge could hold him, could not allow him to to leave New York. I wonder if anybody's thought about that. If, If they haven't have mentioned it, I totally missed it. But that's in the judge's purview. He may think that it would be better for the rule of law and whatever's coming in the way of a trial if Trump just hung around. By the way, I would think that Trump would be, by definition of the term, a significant flight risk. (laughs) Seeing that Trump owns properties all around the world and he has a really nice big jet that he can jet off to anywhere 
on the planet and fly anywhere on the planet nonstop, I could see he could be technically determined to be a flight risk. There are so many unknowns in all of this. It's actually going to be fun, in my opinion, to watch play out. So what's happened, I guess, in the last three days about all of this? Well, a bunch has happened. Trump surges in the polls, and we're told that by noon yesterday, he had hauled in $8 million fundraising dollars. Just off this indictment, comes up at 2.15 today. So here's how this is going to work timing-wise. 10.30, which is 9.30, our time, central time. In about four minutes, he's going to leave Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue for the courthouse. Through the night, journalists lined up outside the courthouse to ensure they were guaranteed a spot, make sure the cameras were on. I watched just a little bit yesterday afternoon at that uh, carpool from JFK all the way into downtown Manhattan and to Trump Tower, Fox News couldn't even get a camera on him to watch him leave the car and walk inside his famous Trump Tower. Everybody wants a piece of this in the media. New York City is going to play host to the biggest show on earth. You can't term it anything other than that. Former president, He's going he's gonna to take advantage of every minute of this. We got a lot of things during the day today. During the show, we're going to talk to you about Steve Baker, of course, joins us at the top of hour number two. He's bringing us news and information, much of it from places that we can't access, which means news and information we're not privy to. And some of it is likely going to have to do with the Trump doings happening today in Manhattan. He's also plugged in. There are some big happenings in D.C. regarding January 6th. Those things keep going on. But let me just ask you this. With all the Trump falderal dominating the 24-7 news cycle, and it will for some time, are there any other things you and I need to know about going on in our nation? Are there any important items that we should know about. There probably are a few, and we're going to share a little bit of those with you in the first hour. You're going to hear from some lawyers on the Trump team kind of telling the nation what they're expecting today. We're also going to hear Senator Ted Cruz drilling the Attorney General during some committee hearings in the Senate. And you are going to hear Attorney General Merrick Garland crawl, figuratively, of of course, under the scrutiny of Senator Ted Cruz when Ted Cruz calls the Attorney General out. Dan Crenshaw here, he just lowers the boom on a leftist journalist on live television for lying... (laughs) I know you can't believe any leftist journalist is going to lie. I mean, they're impeccable. They never lie. They may flavor the truth a tad here and there, but lie? Oh, my gosh. Never going to happen. So let's launch into a couple of things that you're probably not familiar with 
or at least most of you haven't heard. And we're going to do that next. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing the prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic GSSV shocks, so it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck. You want to go a little faster? Go for it. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 529-8342. 529-8342. When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of light. The truth. DNN. The Truth News Network. You know, I've never figured that out. Pete Moss just said, when Bolshevik Barbie throws light, you have shade. I wonder who Bolshevik Barbie really is, and in that setting that you just heard. Does he think I'm Bolshevik Barbie throwing light and you have therefore truth? I don't know. I'm going to have to ask him that next time we talk. I haven't talked to him in a while. He's a really busy conservative up in the hitherlands above Chicago. He's out in the woods. Anyway, I told you we were going to talk to um, or listen to our buddy Ted Cruz, Grill, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Let me just say this about the AG. Um, I'm glad he's not a Supreme Court justice, which if Barack Obama had had his way at the very end of Obama's second term, he appointed or nominated Merrick Garland for an open spot on the Supreme Court. Mitch McConnell was, was the majority leader in the Senate, and he refused to take up consideration of Merrick Garland and... Uh, so he didn't get in, of course, now. I guess his payback for being a good public servant, Joe Biden made him attorney general. I don't know all of the attorney generals that have served in that office through the years, but I got to tell you, I think Merrick Garland has got to be rated in the bottom half of the number because he is the epitome of the term feckless. And I don't think anybody would be in the same class in this administration, especially a president. Joe Biden is feckless. I think Merrick Garland's right there with him, and they are tag-teaming to see who can be 
the most ridiculous and seem to be so foolish. Here's Ted Cruz, grilling Attorney General Merrick Garland. Among other things, I believe you very much want to indict Donald J. Trump. Toward that end, the Department of Justice has leaked that DOJ is investigating and intends to indict Hunter Biden. The purpose of those leaks, I believe, was to set the predicate for an indictment of Trump, to say, look how even-handed we are. We're indicting a Biden, we're indicting a Trump. Those leaks are not law or enforcing the law. They are politics. Did, did you know about the leaks about the Hunter Biden investigation? I, I don't know about the leak that you're talking about, um, and um, I, I'm not uh, – it, leaks are in violation of our, our regulations and our requirements. So uh, the answer but is – The leaks are consistently on one side of the aisle advancing one political agenda. As you know, the FBI raided Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, and subsequent to that raid, there have been multiple leaks – about what was discovered there, including a photograph of documents that were discovered there. Did, did you know about the leaks the from that raid? The photograph was a filing in court in response to a motion filed by Mr. Trump. It was not a leak. So, so you're testifying there haven't been leaks about the, the Trump raid investigation? I'm, I'm responding to the point about the Do you know about the leaks that have occurred concerning Trump? I've read Trump the leaks. They are inappropriate. We also don't know where they come from. Uh, witnesses on the... Um, but what's uh, interesting is when the shoe was on the other foot, I believe your intention, and I believe it's a political intention to indict President Trump, became infinitely harder when classified documents were discovered repeatedly at President Biden's multiple residences. Uh, according to the public record, those were first discovered on November 2nd, six days before the prior election. Department of Justice was notified on November 4th, and yet miraculously there was no leak about the classified documents at President Biden's home when it politically benefited the effort to go after and charge Donald Trump, DOJ leaked. When it potentially harmed the Democrat president, DOJ did not leak. Does that strike you as, as at all a double, double standard? Leaks under all circumstances are inappropriate and they were not directed by anyone in the Justice well, Department. Let me say in particular on Hunter Biden, I very much hope that an investigation of Hunter Biden is focused not just on his own personal substance abuse issues, but on connections to his father and potential corruption. That is the matter of public concern and why people are concerned. It was striking that the leak that came out from DOJ suggested this is just going after some poor, poor person struggling with drugs instead of looking at the very real evidence of corruption Will you commit that the investigation will actually examine the public corruption aspect and not simply scapegoat Hunter Biden as an individual? I can't comment about the investigation other than to say that all the matters involving Mr. Hunter Biden are in the purview of the U.S. attorney in Delaware. It's not restricted in his investigation in any way. Well, you don't Senator comment Hawley. here, but then you leak at the same time. Senator Hawley. There you go, Merrick Garland fading under the, uh, I guess, basically just the fundamental questioning of Senator Ted Cruz about 
the Biden family syndicate and leaks and pending indictments. I thought it was kind of interesting that Cruz put it all together and came up with their big push to indict Hunter Biden, the one that's leaked, that it probably is little more than ammunition for the Department of Justice to use to indict Donald Trump on federal charges. I don't think anybody would be surprised if and when that happens. I think it's going to happen at some point. I believe every credible person believes that it's going to happen. And if it happens, it's just going to be another chapter in the Trump playbook of how conservatives are destroyed at every opportunity by the left in government. Some interesting news just leaked out a little bit ago. One of Trump's lawyers... Joe Takapina, he said there is no possibility that the judge in the hush money case against the president is going to place a gag order on President Trump. That shocks me. First of all, that's in a case like this that's so public. Um, it's it, any normal case that's not even close to this it's very common for a judge to put a gag order out there just so that whatever juror is going to be involved in this is not going to be subject to the politicization that comes along with anybody in the media having the ability, especially those that are charged with a crime, having the ability to get out there and stir the pot. That's Trump's lawyer. I tend to disagree with him, but I guess we'll find out because it's going to happen here in just a little while, in just a little bit. And by the way, um, Trump is going to speak outside the Manhattan courthouse to rally MAGA fans. This is interesting. He's going to enter on a side street at number one Hogan Place, crowds and throngs of media have been in place since last night around the criminal court building, but Trump's security detail could put up a tent when he exits his limo and enters the building. All of these bits of speculation have been abundant, but folks, if you think you have seen it all, you've not seen anything like this. Trump would pay to have what's about to unfold. He would pay out of his own pocket to be able to orchestrate it and use it. You know why? Because he can't buy this kind of focus nationally and internationally. And say what you will about Donald Trump. Everybody thinks he's a braggadocious, self-fixed person. He's a narcissist and all of the words that you can come up with, including racist, xenophobe, homophobe, all those things. He's not a homophobe. He's none of those things. Come up with all the names. But one thing many more people need to be saying about this guy is he's brilliant. He's brilliant. He knows how to put a business operation together and then to manage it and make it do really well. 
And if he's involved in it, it's always going to do really well, and that means it's to his advantage. Politics to him, I don't want to say it's nothing more than a game because he realizes how critical things in politics are to the American people. But he enjoys anything and everything he does. And if he doesn't enjoy something, it's real simple. He just doesn't do it. So what's supposed to happen in the courtroom in the next hour or so? Well, his lawyers are supposedly going to deploy several legal tactics to fight off any of these criminal charges that are coming against him today. He would likely have to face a conspiracy charge brought against him. Now, where is this coming from? This is according to John Cayley, former assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York. And, of course, we know all those district attorneys in the Southern District of New York are well, well knowledgeable about all these kinds of things, right? I'm just mentioning this because this is a leftist lawyer out there that's trying to get his five minutes of fame. They'll make a claim that prosecution is barred by the statute of limitations. Kaylee said yesterday in an interview, added that Trump's defense team may also argue that the case should be dismissed because there is a problem of selective prosecution. Now, what's that? Under New New York law, that statute of limitations is capped at five years. It can be extended if the defendant has been out of state. The judge, Justice Juan Mershon, is expected to arraign Trump today and bring those charges brought against him by D.A. Alvin Bragg. Exact charges are under seal, but the charges are believed to be centered on whether Trump made that $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels, the stripper, sex star, porno star. I don't know what else, other things that she was. So there is all kinds of speculation out there about what's in there. Pete Hegseth, last night, he was sitting in for Laura Ingram, I think. I think that's the show he was on, Pete Hegseth. And he had a couple of lawyers on there that are familiar and very knowledgeable, and they speculated about what Trump is about to go into and go through. Joining Among me now, David Shelley, former Trump you impeachment very much lawyer, want- and Saul Weisenberg, former assistant U.S. attorney and deputy independent counsel. Gentlemen, both, thank you so much for being here. David, let me start with you. You heard the optimism from the Trump camp. Uh, what are the chances something is, is quickly dismissed? And if not, what, what does the process look like? Well, I think the, the chances, uh, I, I can't really predict, but I think that there are at least three motions that ought to be filed immediately after the arraignment. First of all, as to the process, you know, I've been through this with this judge on a high-profile yeah. case. They're going to process uh, President Trump um, like they normally do, uh, take certain pedigree information and so on, and then he'll go to Judge Merchan's courtroom. Judge Merchan usually allows a still photographer to take one picture while he's sitting at the defendant's table, and he will move through it pretty quickly. Question is whether at the arraignment they'll also set a motion schedule. Um, that's kind of up in the air, I think. Um, but they're going to uns- unseal the indictment before the arraignment, so at least the lawyers can look at it then. I don't think there was any reason to seal it until now, but that's what they've chosen to do. But anyway, I think there are three motions they should file immediately after the arraignment. One is a motion to dismiss on statute of limitations. 
limitations ground. Very interesting arguments there. Uh, one would be a motion to dismiss and disqualify uh, District Attorney Bragg, I think, based on his campaign statements, specifically targeting President Trump and promising to convict him when he wasn't even under investigation. And third, I would personally move to recuse the judge. I think that there's uh, monkey business going on with the, with the judge shopping process, and I have an historic uh, basis for making that claim. Uh, but we'll see. I don't think it's coincidental that he was a judge on the Trump Organization case and the Bannon case <laughs> and now this case. And they, in the past, have acknowledged the practice of judge shopping. Yeah, it certainly looks like it in this case. Um, Saul, I got to get your take on this, though, because late tonight, just moments ago, Michael Isikoff reported, and this is just early reporting, that Donald Trump will be charged with 34 felony counts for falsification of business records, but he will not be put in handcuffs, as has been reported, placed in a jail cell or subject or subjected to a mugshot. So now they're saying no mugshot, no handcuffs, but 34 felonies, Saul, your, your reaction if that reporting is correct. Well, you know, Spikey, Michael Isikoff, that's his nickname, usually gets his stories right. But like we've talked about on this show, uh, you can gin up a prosecution, whether it be a misdemeanor or a felony, with a lot of counts. The key thing for people to watch for, Pete, is what is the substance here? Remember what the statute, the statute is falsification of business records, which is a misdemeanor unless you're trying to cover up another crime. So take a look at what that other crime is. If it's a campaign finance violation, boy, that's an incredibly weak case uh, for reasons I'd be happy to explain. But who knows? It could be something else. It could sure. be state tax law. But the key is to look at, does it look like it's petty or is it something really substantive? Uh, your, your reaction as well, David, uh, if they really are foregoing a mugshot, that seems different. Um, we heard reports of, you know, two dozen or 30 counts, not necessarily all of them felonies. If that reporting is correct, and again, we'll learn tomorrow, um, what's your reaction to how the judge will approach this and how the, both sides will? Well, you know, Saul's absolutely right. They often just jack up the number of counts. But I think this DA is too savvy to have this case just depend on Michael Cohen or, or the McDougal case. I think there probably will be some charges about business fraud, that sort of thing. But um, I'll tell you another issue that, uh, that I think may come up tomorrow and I'm concerned about is the idea of a gag order. I'm, you know, vehemently opposed to them. Yeah. Um, I think they have First Amendment implications, Sixth Amendment implications, make it much more difficult to defend a case, to encourage witnesses to come forward, that sort of thing. And I think there's a great public interest in this case. New York law is pretty good on this. They, um, they have a pretty strict standard for it. Uh, the judge has to articulate specific findings. And I could see this judge coming in and talking about some of the posts that he's seen, and he's not going to put up with this and that. This is a judge who's very sensitive to the media presence there. And there have been a number of problems in the past because they don't use electronic filing in this court. It's all paper filing. The media has got to be very aggressive here in getting full access to all filings in this case and to resisting a gag order, uh, and especially a gag order of the breadth that's being talked about in the press. Saul, so, former President Trump has been very critical of this judge. I mean, can he get a fair, fair hearing in a New York City courtroom con considering what he's been up against? Well, I don't know enough about this particular judge. David would know that. There's no reason to think that he that he can't get a fair hearing, but I think we need to watch it carefully. And if I, I think that if there is a gag order, 
uh, like David says, might happen, you're, you're going to immediately have heavy litigation on that. But something else your viewers yeah. should keep in mind is that in a criminal case, it's often very difficult to get the actual charges knocked off on a question of law alone. If if it is based partly on fact, unfortunately, sometimes they make often they make the defendant go through a trial. Yeah. All right. Tomorrow will will tell us everything we need to know, at least initially. David and Saul, thank you. And of course, tomorrow is now today, as they were referencing that and having that conversation last night. On the Laura Ingram show, Pete Hicks us sitting in. Who knows what's going to happen? Let me just tell you this. We're going to stop our analysis right after this because I know a lot of people are going to look away anyway. You're going to see what you're going to see. You're going to want to get firsthand looks at the spectacle that's already playing itself out in, in the middle of Manhattan in front of that courthouse. Uh, you're not going to get any information, any hard news until after the fact. And there will be all kinds of conspiracy theories that are going to fly. I will caution each of you to be really careful. Don't get caught up in any of that back and forth and get in the middle of it. Find places you can go to get facts. We'll have all the latest with you as we can get it. As you always know, Steve Baker is going to be with us here in just about 10 minutes or so. And I know he's got some perspective that he's going to bring to us things that he has a lot of contacts in the New York City area and, of course, in Manhattan and uh, Washington, D.C. We'll see what he brings to the table. We've got a few more thoughts about that before Steve comes on. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into that. A full show today. Don't you go anywhere. The Truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Get not only the news, but the truth in the news. From TNN. The Truth News Network. Dan Newman. The truth in the news. Boy, that's a novel idea these days, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, uh, just want to tell you how much we appreciate you being here. Those really faithful people that we have. You know who I'm talking about. You're here every day. You are, are always around, and uh, you're with us all the way. And I get a chance, but I don't take it 
as often as I should to say simply thank you for what you do. We really appreciate all that you do. And thanks for those of you that share the word about what we're doing here. Hey, listen, I want to get right back and cover this one thing. There's some really big Hunter Biden news that's out this morning. And you know, it's not only Donald Trump being indicted in the news. Our country still goes on. We still have a horrible debacle at the southern border. By the way, 161,000 came into the United States illegally that we caught last month. 161,000. That seems like, you know, a pretty average month for the Biden administration. It's kind of a ho-hum thing. But in the House Oversight Committee, Representative Comer chairs that committee. And he's got some real concerns about Hunter Biden. Now, let me tell you what it's about. It's not about Hunter. It's about his dad. It's about a document that apparently Hunter Biden sent to his old gas company that he served on the board of, Burisma Holdings in Ukraine. And Comer thinks it may be one of those classified Joe Biden documents. Morning, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, meanwhile, fired back at three top House Republicans. Uh, Chairman, uh, his office writing in a letter, quote, we urge you to refrain from the inflammatory accusations, withdraw your demand for information and let the criminal justice process proceed without unlawful political interference. Uh, Underline political interference there. Congressman Jim Jordan, James Comer and Brian Stile are demanding Bragg turn over documents related to the Trump investigation and testify before Congress. Joining me right now is the Kentucky congressman himself, James Comer. He's the chairman of the Oversight Committee. Mr. Chairman, it's good to have you back. Thanks very much for being here. Uh, Bragg is firing back at you. What are you going to do? Are you willing to subpoena him to come talk to you under oath? Well, this is of the utmost importance to the American people. Uh, I think most people in America are sick and tired of the government getting involved in our election process. We want free and fair elections. I don't think anyone believes that Donald Trump would be in Manhattan District Court right now uh, were he not a candidate for president of the United States. So we have a lot of questions for the Manhattan district attorney. Uh, He doesn't have the luxury whether or not to determine uh, whether he can uh, show up for uh, congressional inquiry. I think we're going to use whatever means necessary uh, because we're concerned about, again, uh, election interference. Uh, We're also concerned about wasteful spending. We have a crime crisis in America. One of the reasons we have a crime crisis is because we have soft on crime uh, district attorneys. And uh, you look at the crime rate in New York, we, we feel like uh, the, the DA's time would be better spent uh, trying to prosecute criminals. Well, I mean, what, what about this situation uh, that you can do something about? I mean, Congressman, the truth is, is, you know, you've got a lot of commentary from yourself, from, from Jim Jordan, the chairman mm-hmm. of the judiciary, and a lot of other uh, Republicans. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, said this is election interference. But what can you do about it? You don't have a willing DOJ. Can you do anything to yeah. change this politicization underway? 
Well, Maria, as you know, this is a trend. Uh, there is a two-tier system of justice in America. You showed the clip with uh, Jim Jordan earlier talking about the differences in how Donald Trump's being treated for the apparent mishandling of classified documents versus Joe Biden. Uh, Donald Trump was cooperating with the National Archives, uh, but yet they still raided him. Joe Biden, we don't know the true extent of what he's done. All we know is he has classified documents scattered all over the place, dating back to his time as a U.S. senator. Uh, there's one document in particular that I can tell you from my investigation of Biden family influence peddling, we're very concerned about with respect to uh, a document that that Hunter Biden sent to uh, officials at Burisma in Ukraine. It was a government document. We're concerned that uh, it may have been one of the classified documents, but yet no raid of, of Joe Biden's uh, class, you know, his different locations of classified documents and nothing on the website for the National Archives about Joe Biden. If you just looked at the National Archives website, you would see they raided Donald Trump, but there's no mention of Joe Biden having five different uh, location. So this is a trend that that continues. Uh, we're concerned about it. Maria, to answer your question, I think we're going to have to do something about the funding. Uh, we believe that uh, tax dollars are, are being misspent uh, with the DOJ's continued weaponization, their continued efforts to go after conservatives. Uh, again, we don't think that Donald Trump would be in Manhattan uh, court today were it not for him being a leading contender for the, the presidency in 2024. There is no doubt he wouldn't be there if his running for president wasn't happening. I can tell you that's just one of those things. I think it's common knowledge, and that just gives you a little look into more negativity about the United States political system. We're in a bad spot, folks. Nobody can credibly make a case otherwise. We are in a bad spot. So why don't we do this? Why don't we embarrass Steve and call him live on the on the air? Steve Baker. Let's see if we can get the boy and wake him up. Steve-O, are you there? Well, I'm having a little problem here. Are you there, Steve? Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm here. I hear you well. Well, you, you messed up. We were doing the right thing. I, you were pushing the wrong button. Well, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Right. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you're like my wife. I have never got her to admit she was wrong. Right. Ever. <laughs> you know that. You used to have a wife. I know, I know. How are you this I just, morning? I hated being I hated being wrong all the time, so that's why I moved out of that situation. <laughs> well, you still are. As long as I'm in your life, you still are. Yeah, I know. You and, told me that yesterday. How are you today? I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. I uh had a little, you know, stuffy head over the weekend here and took a COVID test, which I've never done before, and uh, it came back negative, so I must be uh set to live a few more years. Well, what happens when you take those kit, you know, the kits that you get, they sent through the mail. You should have uh, yeah. thought that through that process through before you opened it up and stuck that thing up your nose close to your brain. <laughs> you have no idea what they have on the end of that cotton swab <laughs> that you stuck up your See, nose. I've, I've read that conspiracy theory and I, uh, and I don't, and dismiss any of them anymore, as you can imagine. But uh, I can't imagine it, it was, anybody. It was that, troubling. 
Go ahead. It was troubling that, you know, you open up the pack, you get this thing for free in the U.S. Postal Service uh, in your mailbox, and there's five little kits inside the box, and when yeah. you empty out the box, they get out the components necessary to take the test. Um, yeah, you get your packing label, and it's all, you know, assembled and packed and made in China. And what did our government spend to mail out to virtually every household in America these kits? What did they – how much – the, the, the irony, Dan, there is so thick, it's so deep that they they release this thing upon the world, and then we give them money for the uh, the test kits to test ourselves. I I don't know. I I I'm just bum puzzled by it all. That's why I made fun of you about you don't know what they put on the end of that stick. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, whatever is on the end of it, it's in your brain now. So, you know, I was curious. I've never, I've never been tested before, and all these three years of uh, COVID protocols and mandates and testing requirements at various places, I've avoided every single incident, uh, every single place or property or event or anything that required testing. And I finally tested myself. A few weeks ago, as you know, we went to Israel. And I've, I really felt like Israel was going to have some kind of check when we went through uh, customs when we arrived. They've been pretty tight on their COVID restrictions. And I have not and will not be vaccinated. Um, and so I was going to just basically talk my way through customs. I thought, mm-hmm. and of course, it never came up in conversation. And I hear a lot about that about the European countries, not so much Middle East countries, but Europe countries. But, uh, you know, COVID's changed our lives forever. There's no question about it. There's always Mm going to be that question mark hanging over. What if? What if? And we, just like the 2020 election, will never know the facts, all the facts about COVID. We'll never know all the facts about that election. Why? Because the federal government controls all the facts, the dissemination of. Look what Elon Musk did for the world when he bought Twitter. Nobody thought any of that stuff, all of the evil that's been uncovered, and we have just scratched the surface of all of that, the big uh, syndicate that was put together between social media giants and the Department of Justice of all places, and they're actually paying, the DOJ is paying Twitter for information. It's just insane I to guess, think. I guess you saw that, yeah, I guess you saw that Elon Musk took away the New York Times blue check mark. Yeah, I love it. I love oh, it. Oh, it, it's fantastic. And then, and then his defense of having done so was very specific. He said it's because they've descended into nothing more than just the um, uh, mouthpiece and the talking uh points for the far left uh, politically. That's what he said. And then I, I, I responded to his tweet by saying something to the effect of they are and with the circles that I run in, uh, we call the New York times, the palace guard. And that's exactly what they are. So him taking away their blue check mark was, was a, uh, a brilliant move and, and hilarious on its face. That kind of stuff is happening across the government and they're being called out. Here's the issue that I that I have watching all of this exposure happen. Little bitty things here and there, but still they're critical things. I wonder 
if our government is not already so far gone, when I say gone, gone far left where they don't really give a rip about the truth and anybody knowing the truth, they just march right on with impunity. Are we too far gone to be able to turn that around? The question, the, the important part of that question, Ann, too far to turn it around. We are over the edge already. No uh, question. There's no question. Make no mistake about it. I, I, I'm living in that world right now, watching it uh, transpire right in front of my eyes, up close and personal, uh, over the edge. They don't care right now. They don't care what is discovered about their own actions, their own activities. They are receiving full cover from the palace guard. Uh, and when I say the palace guard, I'm not just talking about only the New York times, but the mainstream media, the mass media, the big tech cartel, all that, uh, all that that implies and all that that in, uh, encompasses. But every single day we're seeing more and more and more issues. And, you know, obviously I've been obsessed with things related to January 6th for the last couple of years, but even just this week, we saw once again, and this, this goes right back to a quintessential moment of what I've been talking about, about the Department of Justice no longer care. The, the Department of Justice, shall I say that again? Justice, no longer caring about justice or the rule of law. They just ruled, the judge in the Proud Boys case just ruled that the uh, the fact that the FBI was monitoring the private emails and phone calls between one of the defendants who's being held in jail and his attorney are no longer subject to uh, attorney-client privilege protection simply because he forfeited that when he was thrown in jail. It, excuse me? When has that ever happened in American history? Let me give you the daisy they, chain. Let me give you the daisy chain of how they have such impunity over that. Do you know the expense in federal court, in federal court, just for his attorney in this case to go down that rabbit trail and try to get the production of that and attack the, his First Amendment rights being attacked, it legitimately in legal fees alone would be $150,000 on top of what has been paid so far and what is owed. They know that. They control the entire justice system from top to bottom. And one would think, well, you know, the rule of law, the Constitution. I got to be honest with you, Lady Liberty a long time ago, you know, the one that wears that uh, blindfold with the scales in her hand, Mm -hmm. It's up there in Washington, D.C., not far from the Capitol. Long time ago, she took her blindfold off and stepped off the, the podium and turned around to the Capitol and the Department of Justice and gave them the bird and left town. It's gone. Mm. L- Lady Liberty has no place in the legal justice system. And we're still, we're still on the right, conservatives, true conservatives. We're still trying to convince America that we live in a two-tier justice system. I heard somebody on Capitol Hill yesterday in a committee hearing on the left make this statement. A member of the House made this statement. We have a single justice system 
It's freedom and justice for everybody. Everybody gets the same shake. And I thought the entire audience in the courtroom was going to burst into laughter and shut down the committee hearing. People that were sitting there laughed at this guy like, you idiot, what nation are you from? That's you've, exactly the case. You've been you've um, been you know, at the you've been at the, you've been at the J six trials. You're seeing yeah. it play out every day there. Yeah, no, I've I've seen it right before my eyes, and as, and as I've said to you before, said to this audience before, I I have this new axiom that I live by. You know, I don't believe anything unless I see it with my own eyes. Well, it's kind of this is almost like the you know the the reverse of that is. I'm being forced to believe something that I'm seeing with my own eyes that is horrifying to me. And just as I've mentioned before, this ruling in the Proud Boys trial that essentially eviscerates the Sixth Amendment and the idea of attorney-client privilege. The, the, I, the, I mean, the most this is Dan. This is one of the most sacrosanct um, aspects of our judicial system, something that ostensibly has set us apart from the rest of the world for uh, generations and for um, centuries, in fact, is the fact that we can sit down with our attorney and we can say anything and it can't be used against us. And yet now we see that they throw you into jail, they deny your bond hearing. If you don't have a vaccine, then they don't allow you to meet in private with your attorney. So therefore you must then communicate with them via email or on the prison phone system. And now the judge is saying, and because, oh, well, those are your choices. You therefore forfeit your right to attorney client privilege. So anything that the FBI learned and recorded, no, sorry, can't be thrown out of your trial. Can't be thrown out and used against you as evidence. No, it stays two-tiered justice system, maybe three-tiered, yeah. who knows? Uh, and we'll, we'll probably never be able to push through that. Think about your children. Think about grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Think about the United States that we're leaving them. If we think it's bad right now, just wait till next year, 2024, yeah. in the run-up to this election. Can you imagine what the political landscape of this nation is going to look like. Nobody trusts anybody. Nobody trusts anybody. And it's becoming that everybody's numb to that fact, and it's like, oh, well, and let's just move on. I mentioned, I don't know if you were listening in this morning, I mentioned about Paul Ryan. Everybody thinks Fox News Mm -hmm. is diehard, hardcore, right-wing conservative, top to bottom. I don't... I don't think people understand. They don't get that big by, and pardon my verbiage, but pissing off everybody. They have to have advertising dollars. And one of the people that sits atop the heap in that department in New York City is Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan was the epitome of a not conservative Speaker of the House that wears the Republican badge. He was leaning almost Democrat. Now you got to remember when this was, that was back in uh, the beginning of the Trump era when he was the first two years of the Trump presidency, he was speaker of the house 
and uh, he didn't want to be there. He can't stand Donald Trump. He actually said that if Trump wins the nomination, he's not going to the Republican National Convention. Now, this is a guy that is on the board of directors and one of the top managers at Fox News. I just bring him up because he has a very speckled political past. He ran with Mitt Romney as vice president. He was the guy that they showed in the uh, the blacked-out advertising when they uh, they everybody was accusing the Republicans of wanting to cut Social Security and had Grandma mm-hmm. in the wheelchair, and he took Grandma over mm-hmm. to the edge of the cliff and threw her off. That was Paul Ryan right. because he had said he gave yes. some significance to Social Security and Medicare will not last unless we do something. We need to rein in the expenses. And they extrapolated from that. What he was going to do was cut Social Security and Medicare benefits. Um, So he is and was a Republican. But come on now. You don't have a former Speaker of the House go public and make the kind of statement that he made about Donald Trump. When you say that, you're actually denigrating half of the conservatives in the United States that are of thinking, voting, age, and cognizance because half of Republicans at least, they like Donald Trump, not on necessarily a personal level, but on what he did for the American people in his four years in the White House. That's exactly correct. And I will say this, and you you and I have had this conversation before, and I can't remember whether we've done this on the air or off the air, but I should preface this by saying I'll ask for everyone's indulgence and, and also their forgiveness for me saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those guys who has ever been a Trump fan. Um, I have been merciless in some of my articles that I've written about him. On the other hand, when he did become our president, I wiped the slate clean and I gave him a chance and I rated him at about 50-50 at the end of his presidency. It would have been higher if he had not mishandled COVID in the way I think that he did. I do think that he did more than good during his, uh, more good than bad during his presidency. And I still am not a fan. Having said that, I have found myself in the last two years forced more often than not to defend him for these individual actions that are being imposed or are being taken against him, whether it's uh, these legal actions or these uh, impeachments, uh, these attacks that he just relentlessly under. I mean, no politician in our lifetime, man, you and I both know this, has ever, ever come under the attack and scrutiny uh, that this man has been subjected to. The fact that he even <laughs> wants to deal with it, the fact that he's willing to drag him or put himself through it and put his family through it uh, time after time after time again is amazing. I uh, We can do a psychological study on the reason for that uh, alone. But nevertheless, it's it's a choice between one of two things. He's either just a pure, unmitigated, um, self-serving narcissist, or he genuinely believes that he's doing this as a hero to the American people and to uh, the cause and to uh, draining the swamp and revealing the deep state, and whatever, however you want to look at it. And I know that he has a significant portion of his followers who, who uh, almost to a 
to a religious point, believe that that is his calling and that they are there to support him through that calling. And I'm not one of those people, but we're looking at another situation where, frankly, I'm being dragged, kicking and screaming right back to the front line once again to put my hands up to, um, uh, to those in opposition and say, stop. This is not just unprecedented. It doesn't make any sense except that maybe, just maybe, he is the guy they fear. Is that what it is, Dan? I have no doubt that's the case. They fear him because he is a truth seeker. And he, when he finds something, you and I both know this, he's a blabbermouth. He can't let it lie. And let me point something out here. I'm just going to give a little biblical perspective to this whole thing. The nation of Israel, the Old Testament, it's just rife with kings that were bad and evil and kings that were good and did great things for the nation of evil. God's chosen people, the Jewish people, they got so messed up politically, did Israel, the whole nation, over a period of years, that God said, look, the last two or three kings we put in here hadn't done the job, hadn't done the deal. They've been corrupt. Uh, they haven't been good leaders. And so here's what I'm going to do. I can't find somebody among the people that we think are good slash Jewish people at the time. And I'm going to go find somebody that can straighten this mess out. So he goes to the Babylonian Empire, bunch of heathens, uh, worshipers of all kinds of gods, and grabbed a guy named Cyrus and made him the king of Israel. And guess what Cyrus did? (laughs) Exactly what Donald Trump did for the U.S., Cyrus did that in Israel, and then he left town, and one of the other guys came in to follow him, but he straightened everything up. I think we're seeing a, uh, in Donald Trump, kind of a, a Cyrus move, and I'm one of those people that will tell you, Stephen, I think you already know this before I say it, I think God is in politics because his people, Christians, are in politics and attuned to it, and it changes and adjusts his life for everybody, and he cares. In fact, if you remember, Jesus, Peter, and John were they were down at the, the Sea of Galilee, and they were fussing about how evil the Romans were. And Jesus made this famous statement: render under Caesar that that is Caesar's. In other words, You know, that's the political system. We all live under it. We got to do what we got to do. And I think Christians are in that place right now. I'm not one of those that bit off on the all-in God has picked Donald Trump to lead the nation. I'm not at all. I don't know that. I do believe in my life he made a difference. I, uh, I predicted, I went on record before he came down the escalator with Melania at Trump Tower. I predicted he would be the next president. Why? There was a massive vacuum at that level of politics in the United States, and none of the candidates that had thrown their names in the hat were good leaders. And my definition of a good leader 
because I've been in business and I've got a 30-something-year-old company that's been very successful after several that were uh, successful to some uh, level but not really, really good. And the only difference between those companies and the one now that's 32 years old was the fact that I learned how to manage. Donald Trump came to the forefront because he was a successful business guy. Not because he was nice, not because he was a great guy on a personal level. He's got a lot of baggage in his background. We don't even need to talk about that. It's public knowledge. It's probably worse publicly than what it is in real life because of the way the media take and conflate everything negative they can about him. But he got things done that nobody in the previous 12 years, I think Bush 43, his first four years, he got some good things done. Second four years, not so much. And then the eight years of Barack and Joe were just downhill. Let's see if we can put the nation on a run towards that (laughs) great reset that we're facing right now today. And what Trump was, the fly in the ointment for that particular movement from the left. I think if for no other reason, we saw, the American people saw, the real American people, throw out the far left and throw out the left media, everybody else saw how government could run and could be run. And what if it was run that way would finally revert back to government of the people, by the people, and for the people. If Trump was nothing more than that, that was an eye-opening experience for millions of people. And I am like you. I don't know that he is. I, I want to go back to the, to the fear aspect again for a moment. Is he the guy they fear? And when I say that, I'm not talking about just... Um, Pelosi, Biden, Obama, whoever pulls their strings. I'm not talking about Klaus Schwab. I'm not talking about uh, the left-wing media and big tech cartel. I'm talking about also those rhinos that you talked about during the first hour because I was listening. And those rhinos, for some reason, they must fear him as well because they did not provide the cover that they could have provided and they continue in that mode. Now they'll go, they'll walk up in front of the mic and they'll talk about what an, you know, uh, an unprecedented and, uh, you know, horrible situation this is that a, and that what, you know, what a, what a bad precedent it sets for the future. And, and they're correct in mouthing those words. But the reality is, is that he has been subjected to the attacks that he has been subjected to for so long, so viciously. And, and even though not necessarily successfully, at least not in the, in the way of an, an actual conviction for anything yet, um, they have been successful in uh, de- you know, denigrating the man and, and denigrating his accomplishments. But the one thing that I have noticed, being as, especially being as close as I am right now to what's going on in D.C., is that they, whatever they say in the microphone, they are not following it up with actions uh, behind the scenes because they are not providing the cover that they could have provided. And again, I say that as a guy who is not a Trump fanboy. He's somebody I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I, I just I don't get him the way other people get him. 
but I understand the um, the connection. I understand the connection that he makes, particularly in a populist way with the grassroots of the Republican Party. I understand that uh, explicitly, but I do myself being a little bit more analytical. I I tend to see the the baggage, the problems, the the real. And when I say the baggage, I'm not talking about alleged affairs and things of that nature. I'm talking about real problems with his past. Uh, I mean, he, he was one of the first guys, Dan, to, I mean, this was the amazing part. I, I think, I think even Dave Chappelle brought this out in one of his comedy routines is he said, that you, you realize that he was like the first politician to ever go out in front of everybody and said, you know, the reason why I know this corruption is taking place is because I was on the other side of it. I was the one that bought them. I bought off the politicians. Remember that? Oh yeah. He said that during the, during this 2016 campaign and, and Chappelle, of course, in a, in a, brilliant way with that only he can do it. He said, did you hear what he said? He said, and you wonder why people like, he said, because even though he's a crook, he was like an honest crook. He told us, yeah, this is what I used to do from the other side. And so, yeah, that's why I know it's a corrupt situation. And, and maybe, and maybe that's it, Dan, maybe he just knows so much about both sides, not just the left wing, uh, side of, of the political um, spectrum, but he also knows the, the, uh, the failings and the skeletons in the closet on the other side. And that's why he's not getting the cover because I, I just, as I look at this today as a lifelong political analyst, I don't know how we got here because under normal circumstances, if it had been a Bush, if it had been a Reagan, if it had been, um, anybody else before him, he would have gotten the cover from his own team and they would have made this go away, just like they made the Nixon situation go away. I have a very close friend, and I won't mention his name. You know him well. At the very beginning, the first couple of months of the Trump administration, he uh, he was railing to me about, oh my gosh, this guy's supposed to be good it looks like he's going to do a lot of good things, but my gosh, he just beats up everybody that disagrees with him publicly. He humiliates people, and he uses profanity all the time. That's not presidential. In fact, it was it was such a big deal over and over and over again. He asked me to write a letter and send it, see if I could send it to get it to Trump. Asking him, telling him in the letter. And the context went like this. Mr. President, thank you for being the president of the United States, for taking this deep dive into something that you knew would be really tough for you. Thank you for what you're doing. However, would you consider this just a little change in your messaging methodology? You're putting off a whole lot of really good people, not by what you're doing, but the way you're saying things. And it's very offensive in a lot of ways. That's the context of it. So I uh, I sent it. Actually, what I did was I found access to Ivanka, and I have the ability to send emails and letters, and I can determine when they're received, when they're opened, what computer IP address they were opened on. And she got it. And I put in a little cover note and said, Ivanka, I send this with due respect for your father and for you and what you guys are doing. 
this came from, and I won't tell you the name of the individual, but it came from, asked me to do this. Would you at least get your dad to take a look at it? Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Never heard anything from it. He never changed his mantra. And so this person (laughs) kept telling me over the first year, man, he's doing a great job, but, but, and finally I had enough and I said, listen, you don't understand. Let me break this down for you. Yeah, he talks crudely. He speaks in ways that are demeaning of a lot of people, his political foes and people that just don't do good things that we've always been told they're good people and they're trying their best to do good things. I I get all that. But what you need to understand is there are about 40 to 60 million Americas out there, 40 to 60 million of us that his messaging resonates with. They're regular people. They may not ever go to church, but they hear all the nastiness when they go to work and they hang around and they go to the bar at night to have a beer or two before they go home to mama. Blue-collar America resonates with it. And I believe that's who put him in office the first time. And honestly, I think those are the people out there, many of those In fact, I've already heard stories about that $8 million that came in over the weekend through noon yesterday to the Trump campaign over Mm -hmm. this. Far more than half of those that sent money in had never given to his campaign before. Here's Mm -hmm. the thing. You know this, and I'm going to shut up and let you talk, but (laughs) they're comparing what we had to what we have now. (laughs) and It's so stark. Anybody in their right mind would say, you know what? Ah, there it comes with a lot of it comes with a lot of baggage. But I sure wish Donald Trump was still president, not Joe Biden. Uh, well, I'll, I would trade that any day of the week, um, <laughs> and I did, and that's and that's why I ultimately voted for him in 2020 was for that very reason. I knew, I knew what Biden was bringing to America, and I very specifically, and I very uh uh <laughs> i made a very specific point of saying that my vote was to block the biden biden administration it was less of an endorsement than less of a uh, defensive move but <clears throat> yes i would take that any day of the week and i don't know as i said before this this is one of the this is one of those moments dan where i didn't show up on the program today with you with some background notes. I didn't show up with research. I didn't show up with, uh, you know, my tabs organized on my browser, on my computer, in case we went there, we covered that story or are needed to remember somebody's name. This is simply one of the most confounding issues in American politics in my lifetime. Now we saw this morning, all of the news store, all of the, the major media uh, news sources, they all they all got their talking notes. You know, they 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 got their printout. They're, we used to say they're you know they're fact they're morning facts thirty years ago or forty years ago of what they were supposed to say this morning, and we know that they were all reading from the same notes because they were using the same words. The media now this is the mainstream media who have wanted nothing more than to see a Donald Trump perp walk since 2015-16. That's all they wanted to see. They, they, have, they have 
begged for this. They have pleaded for this. They have been giddy every single time that they thought they were on the precipice of getting and seeing the perp walk. And now that it's actually going to happen, they all rolled out of bed this morning. They pulled their notes off of their computer, out of their email or off their teletype or whatever they use anymore. And all of their notes said that you are to go to the cameras this morning and you're to be very somber and you're to talk about how what a somber event is and what a sad event this is today and what a, a sobering event this is today. And that's exactly what they did this morning, Dan. That's every single mainstream media source went to the screen today and said, this is a sad day for America. This is unprecedented. It's a very sobering event. And they all use the same words. I don't know if you know this, but there is coordinated. There is a Mm. telephone number that only invited media outlet members get. And they have a conference call early every morning, 6 a.m. New York City time. And they all call in and they get their talking points. Much of it is today, everybody, let's use this exact verbiage in our reporting. Yeah. That is, is factual. Exactly the only, what they did this only reason I know it's factual is there was a guy that got kicked out of that group about eight years ago. And he told everybody, here's the number that we call in on every morning. And they changed the number. Yeah. Uh, it's all coordinated. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Some some things that the I... Only, the only, you know, that group of gals from The View, they may run out in front of the cameras today and be all giddy about it, but you would think that this, this, this being the day they've been longing for, waiting for, hoping for, and pressing for for so long that they would all be gleefully giddy and smiling and laughing and congratulating and high-fiving and fist-bumping, but they're all going, this is a sad day for America. <laughs> hey, uh, and and nothing sad about it in their minds and their oh, hearts. Yeah. I guess the the most vapid White House press secretary in history, mm. with the exception mm. of Karine Jean-Pierre, the current one, was circle back, Jen Psaki. <laughs> and on her Sunday show, I almost passed out. I saw it after the fact. I would never watch her live because I uh, uh, she's got fire. And, and this is going to be sexist. And I don't mean it to be sexist. She has flaming red hair. And women that have that flaming red hair, and she keeps it long, and it's thick, which, you know, I wish I had thick hair of any color. But anyway, um, people that have red hair, they have problems with what they can wear without clashing with colors I'm talking about. (laughs) She has this propensity to wear anything and everything that clashes with her red hair. I I would think the only reason why would be purposeful so that people like me pick up on it and notice it. That was a disclaimer for what I'm about to say that she said. Almost spit out my false teeth and I don't have any false teeth. She said, she gave Democrats a warning. She said, every Democrat needs to stop being negative and preaching about how gleeful you are at Donald Trump being indicted. Because if you don't, I promise you, it will come back and hurt you in 2024. Words of wisdom from somebody that I'd never heard any words of wisdom come from before. (laughs) Again, 
the Biden mantra and what's happened on his watch doesn't resonate now (laughs) with a whole lot of Americans. In every way, he has failed the American people. Absolutely. You remember the um, the senator from North Carolina, where I'm at right now, he uh, ran with... uh, Oh gosh, who 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 ran against uh, Bush forty three the second time? That was um, Bush forty three. Right? All right, so, yeah, John Kerry. Yeah, so it was yeah. Kerry, and it was John Edwards was his running mate. Yeah, he was a senator from North Carolina. Yeah, uh, Rush used to call him the Brett Girl because of his four hundred dollar haircuts, and um, he was the first politician that actually proposed the idea of. We live in two Americas. Now, he wasn't saying that he wanted two Americas. He was just proposing the concept that he campaigned on this idea that America was two Americas and that whether we're talking about the Justice uh, Department or whether we're talking about um, equity, racial equality, whether we're talking about any other aspect of you know, the, the, the financial disparity, the wealth gap, that sort of thing. He, he was making that point from a leftist standpoint. But more and more and more and more, Dan, I am open to the idea, specifically because of situations like we're about to witness today, of the idea of I'm ready for two Americas. And not the type that John Edwards was explaining, but the type where, I don't know, maybe the MAGA people could live on one side of the line and uh, the, the, the Biden's sycophants and Obama worshipers can live on the other side of the line. I, I don't know any other way to say it. it. It is just to the point now where I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm, you know, I've never wanted to be there. I don't want to see the, the nation break apart. But you know, I, I know that I know that most of Oregon doesn't want to be in the same state and governed by the same people that run Portland. I know that that's true in Washington. I know that that east of those mountains, they don't want to be uh, governed by the voters in Seattle and Tacoma. And you can come straight down the coast, and that's exactly what's happening in so many other areas of this country. I mean, right here in North Carolina, we have basically three counties that dictate what we're going to have in the governor's mansion, but while the rest of the state sends to the state legislature, legislature, a near supermajority uh, conservative voting block, and we get we get Democrats in the state house because of only three counties, and we get uh, Republicans running the legislature because of uh, uh, the rural areas. And you know, it's kind of like okay, just have your world, and we'll have ours. Can and I don't know how we can make that happen, but that's where I'm at, Dan. I, I would just really like to start over somewhere. Texas, hey, Texas, Texas, are you ready? I mean, if you guys are ready to secede, I'm on the way. Just don't, where I'm at. Just don't move to Austin. <clears throat> oh, no, well, see, but see, Austin can be Texas version of East Berlin. You put a big fence up around it, all right? <laughs> and then you put, you, you now, I'm serious, and then you fence a highway yeah. All the way to either Mexico or New Mexico. Take your pick, whichever one they want, because uh, New Mexico is not much better now. And so just just put a giant 
wall and a fence around Austin and then a fenced highway all the way to Mexico. And, um, uh, and there you go. And that's our version of East Berlin. I'm Pro- totally cool with that. Probably the last big version of that we ever had was when Genghis Khan was around and he just went through and he slaughtered everybody that was different minded and uh, (laughs) therefore he didn't have to worry about two different countries. Hey. Yeah, uh, you know, and I don't want war. That's the one thing I want to avoid, and that's what everybody's talking about right now, and I I don't want that. I don't want that for my children. I don't want that for their children, and I don't want that for me either, for my remaining productive years. But I'm I'm ready to uh, look at other alternatives. Let's just say that. I don't think there's a better one. What we've got to do is push through in this one that we're in and get it back to where it's supposed to be. It's been there before. It's never been totally 100% unified and never will be. That's the nature of a representative republic. And that's why there are and probably always will be 435 people in the House of Representatives each one of those 435 represent directly a certain percentage of the population of the nation. That was structured that way so that we could, as best as possible, deal with what you're talking about right now, is that there are fiefdoms over here and fiefdoms over there. I got to be honest with you, I, I would love it if California just fell off into the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) But Californians, they choose for their state, not every Californian, it'll never be that way. It'll never be that way for you. You'll never live in a utopia where government exists unless you hit hit the uh, Powerball and you go buy you an island in the Pacific and you're the only person that lives there. I'm just saying. No, that's it, correct. It's not what, and I agree with you. I wish, I got to be honest with you. I wish every, and and you're more conservative than I am. You're a libertarian. I'm somewhere to the left of you, and I hate to even say the term left. I don't think I'm left <laughs> of many people, but nevertheless, um, I think you and I could live in the same town and integrate with each other and do all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But here's the problem with the scenario you painted, and we'll move on, but the problem is who decides? (laughs) That's like who decides now what's fair? Who decides now what's racist? Who decides what's okay and acceptable? And who do they lord over when they make those decisions? It takes a representative government. And to be honest with you, looking at the landscape of the United States compared to the world over 260 years, it's, it's, done, it's done better than any other country in world history. Will it survive this mess right now? For my children and my grandchildren and for yours, I pray and hope that it will. But it's incumbent upon people like you and me. It's incumbent upon Steve Baker to keep revealing everything that's going on with the January 6th stuff, not because it's news. That's not what this is about. It's exposing the corruption at every level in our federal government. There's not a branch of our government that's not riddled with corruption. And it's going to take people like Steve Baker 
and Dan Newman and Truth News Network and Steve's various entities. I can't even repeat them all. They've got so many names. But what you're doing on so many levels in so many places, we've got to just keep pushing against the falsehoods that people are just buying into left and right that have no substance whatsoever. But they're conditioned through social media and left leftist media, broadcast media, and they just accept it because they're taking the easy way out. Anything worth having is worth hurting for. A, free, a mutual friend of yours and mine, in fact, my foster brother, wrote a country song to that title. Anything worth having is worth hurting for. And that's true. There's a price to pay. Nothing free ever works out to be really something good. Occasionally it will, but it's because whoever got it free put it to good use. Steve-O, I can't tell you how much I am excited to have you be a part of this. And our audience grows every week. I've been looking at the numbers this morning, and I want to thank all of those that have uh, tuned in to listen. Um, They're down a little bit from a normal week, at least the last 15 or 20 minutes, and the reason being, of course, eyeballs on middle Manhattan right now. <laughs> What's yeah. going to happen there? Nothing has happened yet though, has it? I, I don't have a monitor. No, I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking at, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a camera uh, feed of Trump tower right now. And apparently he hasn't come out yet if this is accurate, but uh, I've, I've had this on in the background for the duration of our chat here today. He's so actually supposed minutes, he's, had this. he's actually supposed to be at the courthouse already. He's supposed to be, but they've still got the cameras on the tower waiting. It says, Cryon says that they're still waiting for him to come out. You don't think. Maybe he changed his mind. Yeah. You don't think Donald Trump is not going to abide by everything the court tells him to do? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, buddy. uh, I I think, honestly, I think it would have been a much greater spectacle if he had absolutely fought extradition and said, no, I'm not coming. I would have loved that. I know he's getting off on it either way, but I would have liked to have seen the other one for pure entertainment purposes. Well, you do know that he they offered to do that, to do it tele, teleprompter, televideo, whatever you want to call it, to yeah, do the arraignment that way. Complying. Right, right, right. And he said, no, no, no. If I'm going to be uh, subject to an indictment, I want the political exposure. I want to walk. Right. In fact, he even yeah. said, if y'all want to handcuff me, handcuff me. I'll close with this. <laughs> If he takes a mugshot, and it's not set that he will, as of last night, they had not said that he was going, he was going to be fingerprinted, of course, but had not said if he was right. going to take a mugshot. If he does, I'll be one human being that will have that on a T-shirt. Because that You'll mugshot, yeah, that mugshot, and, and I'm going to get something put on it. My son manufactures T-shirts and other stuff. And I'm going to get something put on the bottom of it and say, greatest mugshot ever. You decide why. <laughs> so if you hate Trump, it'd be a good thing to have him right. on a mugshot. And if you're a conservative, right, right. They're, they're waving it saying, looky here, <laughs> looky here. <laughs> That's the nation we live in. We, we live in two nations at least, Steve. <laughs> to Americans, yeah. yeah. Hey, buddy, you have a great week, a great weekend, and I know you've uh, you've been snorting a little bit with a cold or whatever. Get over that. 
And keep us posted. I know there's some stuff going on now. Uh, last name Epps supposed to be testifying in D.C. <laughs> if uh, maybe uh, I, I think the I think the judge is blocking that as well. Okay, so I got you. That, well, if anything more materializes there during the week, please call us and give us that information. All right, we'll do. Thanks, Dan. Okay, buddy. Steve Baker from uh, North Carolina slash Washington D.C. <laughs> and uh, I, I want I want you to hear something. I, many of you will be tempted in the last ten minutes of the show. Well, it's all over. Don't. I've got something you want to hear next. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Got my blaster right here. You get crossways with me, <laughs> you get blasted from the blaster. Hey, we haven't heard anything to speak of about guns, violence, in schools the last week. And I think that is a travesty. This is one of the most important topics that we've got to deal with. If we don't, these big school shootings will continue to happen. We can take care of it. And it doesn't mean seizing all the guns from free Americans. First reason you can't do that and won't do that is because it's unconstitutional. Second Amendment, all kinds of variations of attacks against it has survived through multiple Supreme Court appeals. Americans have the right to own and bear arms. Dan Crenshaw, Texan, 
He's a Second Amendment guy. He was on one of the uh, leftist shows. I believe this is Dana Bash. And she weighed into him about gun control. Dave Rubin kind of sets this up for you. Dan Crenshaw, who I also sat down with last week, uh, he was on CNN talking to Dana Bash about what we can do to avoid some of this stuff. The one through line in these deaths is that they are shootings, therefore they are done by guns. And guns are the leading cause of death for children and teens in the U.S. So shouldn't helping save the lives of children be a top priority for you as a member of the House majority? No, it absolutely should be, which is why I say I would look to the thing that would absolutely stop this, which is putting armed police officers at every school. I, I visit a lot of schools. I do, I do talks at various schools. It's very rare uh, that I go into a school, especially the newer ones, and they don't have some kind of armed police presence there at all times. So That's a preventive measure. That, I know, will, will stop this. And there was nothing like that in these last few mass shootings. There, there's no armed guards there. Um, so the so answer if, if I'm is just looking for guns. actual solutions, that would be it. So the answer is more guns. No, the answer is armed guards. Well, the answer is armed guards, right? Armed guards, yes, more guns. The, the kind of guns that protect, protect the president, that protect you all at CNN. Is it easy to get into your headquarters at CNN? Absolutely not. There's armed guards there. Yeah. There's single points of entry. I think we should look at our schools as a place that is precious uh, and, and have the same kind of security that your corporate offices do, that we do in Congress. You know, if, if we consider a place to be important where our children go to learn every day, it should have the same level of security as every other place, whether it's, not, whether it's a shopping mall or a corporate office that's hard to get into. You know, you're, you're not going to get rid of guns. Absolutely great answer by Crenshaw. And I love the fact that he turned it directly on her. What kind of security do you have at CNN headquarters? Guess what? There are guys with guns there and an awful lot of them. And Gail King, uh, your best friend is Oprah. Do you not think Oprah has many people? The only reason anyone knows you is because of Oprah. Do you not think that Oprah has many armed guards at her many, many estates protecting her? But for some reason, we don't want that for kids. Again, I think there's a psychological element that we'd really have to think through about having young people around guns all the time. Um, you know, does it, does it train their mind in a weird way? But certainly the Republicans are not doing nothing. And the way, oh, so your answer is you just want more guns. It's just so profoundly dishonest. It is just incredible. And again, what they are really trying to do is just take the guns here. That, it doesn't matter. They don't care about the dead Christian children. They, they don't care whether it was six people or a hundred people. Everything is used to attain power for these people. There, there is nothing they wouldn't, they, I mean, in essence, they're dancing on their graves. That's because they see this as an opportunity. I'm sorry if that sounds cynical. It's just how it is. To all you parents out there, every parent, every grandparent, gun death is, it's just so horrible and happens so quickly normally that when it happens, the first thing that comes to mind, well, guns, gun was shot in this case and it killed my daughter, son, granddaughter, grandson. We got to stop this. We got to do away with guns. You do realize if we had a massive gun confiscation that happened, government related, if they could do that, just do away with the second amendment. Can you imagine how many guns would not show up. Guns from criminals are not going to show up there. How would they get away with it? Nobody knows who has what. 
that federal database on gun control, guns that are out there. You got to fill this out, get checked out before you buy it. Criminals don't buy their guns at Dick's Sporting Goods. They buy them on the street out of the back of a car, out of a trunk, if they buy them at all, or they steal them from your house. Putting armed guards in strategic places as schools, it works around the world. Why don't our leaders take it and implement it here? They don't have to recreate it. It works. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Ha! What?